Today's reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 26th chapter, beginning at verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then Jesus said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So, could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away for the second time and prayed, My father... If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I want you to think back to a time when you felt alone, because I know we've all felt alone at one time or another. Have you ever felt abandoned? Some of us know what that feels like. And I would even suppose that more than a few of you have felt that you were surrounded by people who were not there to help you, but instead just delighted in your distress. So have you ever felt that doing the right thing only caused you trouble. If you've experienced any of these feelings, then you know how the writer of our psalm today was feeling. Did you listen to the text? Uh, This faithful servant of the Lord had devoted himself to God. He had chosen to walk the more arduous, narrow path of obedience and righteousness. And so it's not an act of arrogance, but he says to the Lord fearlessly, just go ahead and examine my heart. Tell me if I've done anything deceitful or dishonest. And even though this servant of God had been faithful, did you hear it? He now feels alone, abandoned, and encircled by people who are like predators. He feels surrounded by evildoers who are lurking in the shadows, waiting to ambush. Last week I had a very uh, meaningful conversation with a young man who has only recently joined our congregation. I have his permission 
to share some of that conversation with you now. He wanted to talk because the more he tries to do his duty as a follower of Jesus Christ, the more it seems that he is being criticized and rejected. No one is patting him on the back and saying, good job, at a boy." And these are his words. When I didn't take my faith seriously, Pastor, no one bothered me. But now that I'm trying to be a good Christian, I feel like people are messing with me all the time. (laughs) And that should come as no surprise, really. You will be tolerated. Yes, you will. You may even be accepted and celebrated. You might even just be ignored if you go with the flow and just stay in place in your assigned place in the herd that is all heading in the same direction. But when you seek the mind of Christ, when you, like the psalmist, do your best to avoid the ways of the wicked, and you try earnestly to walk in the right direction with Jesus, well, then things might change. Others might no longer find you acceptable. They may not tolerate you or affirm your new way of living. And you may very well find yourself alone. And what does the psalmist do in this situation? Well, he turns to God. He turns to God, placing his safety and entrusting his well-being to the Lord. He counts on God's goodness and strength because he knows his own power, his own might, is not enough to sustain him or save him. I think many of us have felt this way. I know I have more than a few times. The closer we seek to walk with Jesus, the more we want to to grow closer in our relationship to the Lord, uh, the more difficult it may be when others do not celebrate that decision or what they perceive to be that lifestyle. And the more we seek the mind of Christ, the more we become aware of the brokenness in the world, the evil around us. And so we continually find our strength, our hope, and our peace, not in ourselves, but in God. And I want you to think about the psalmist this morning. I want you to think about your own discipleship, and especially those times where maybe it's not been easy as a Christian for you. I want you to think about the psalm and your life in terms of Christ. As we heard him speaking and praying in Matthew's gospel, in the garden. And what is that prayer? It's, it's a prayer for deliverance, is it not? At first, a prayer to be delivered. Jesus knows that his enemies are lurking about like predators. He, know that, he knows that they're about to pounce. He's about to be arrested. He knows that they mean to do him harm. And Jesus knows that soon enough he will die a horrible death on a lonely cross. And so he's praying for deliverance from this this pain and this suffering that he knows is coming. 
if there is a way out. But ultimately, he submits himself to God's care and plan of salvation. Not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want. I want you to think about those words. Not what I want, but what you want. In today's society, whoo, that is a radical statement. It is not only counterintuitive to today's, it's all about me culture, it is downright subversive. Friends, you and I are living in some very interesting and strange times, make no mistake. And these are strange times in the church. There are false teachers and there are profiteering preachers peddling a popular counterfeit gospel which is presented as the uh, the worship of a god who is the your wish is my command machine in the sky whose sole purpose for existence is to make you happy and give you whatever you want This false God exists for your every desire and for you to have as much of everything that you want. And it goes by different names, but it's all the same. Prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement, the seed faith movement, just different names for the same false teaching that is attracting and leading many people away from Jesus Christ, crucified, died, buried, and risen. This false God would have said to Jesus as he's praying in the garden, you don't want to be crucified? You don't want to carry that heavy cross? You don't want to suffer? No problem. I don't want you to do anything that's difficult or uncomfortable, Jesus. So why don't you just leave those lazy, napping disciples and go back to Nazareth and enjoy working the wood the way you learned it from Joseph, the carpenter. Or if you prefer, why don't you just spend the rest of your life uh, fishing on the Sea of Galilee, hanging out on the beach with your toes in the sand? That's the prosperity gospel. It avoids suffering and the hard path at every turn. Now, last week, some of our members wanted to know why the senior pastor failed to mention D-Day. It's because the senior pastor was preaching a two-week sermon series and planned to talk about D-Day today. I'm very well aware that we celebrated the 75th anniversary of D-Day, June 6th, 75 years ago, 4,000 Allied troops died on the first day of the invasion. You think about the prosperity gospel and you think about obedience, don't you think all those men 
would have liked to have lived and gone home and enjoyed old age? Don't you think they would like to have returned back to their home country safely to their moms and dads, their sweethearts, their fiancés, their wives, their sons and daughters? The average age of the U.S. troops who served in World War II was 26. You think about that. 26 years of age. I don't think they were complaining about microaggressions in that great war. They submitted themselves to a greater cause, to a higher purpose, and to a noble mission above their own self-interest. And the reason I'm mentioning that today is because the preachers of prosperity and self-satisfaction have no clue what to do with this kind of sacrifice, this kind of heroism, this laying down your life willingly for a greater good, not doing simply what feels good for me right now. And the false preachers don't know what to do with Jesus either. Not, not the Jesus who is, you know, your life coach, but, but the Jesus who is the king dying on a cross, the one who bled and suffered, the one who didn't settle for self-preservation and personal comfort, but instead carried a cross for you up that lonely hill and died that you might live with him forever. I imagine Jesus felt lonely. He cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? So sometimes it does feel lonely being a Christian. It's just the truth. And we should not be surprised when others reject us or ridicule us for our faith and the life we choose as followers of Christ. And so I give thanks to God that so many young people in our congregation have chosen to follow and stick with the real Jesus in a world that mocks such faith. I thank God for the people here in this congregation in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and I hope you do too, who don't want rock star preachers because Carol and Jerry and I are anything but rock star. Instead, they want Jesus, and they don't want to be entertained. When they come to the house of the Lord, they want to worship. I thank God for you older members of this fellowship who continue to seek God's face and participate in the life of His church when you could just say, look, I've done my time, I've put in my time, I served. You could just stay home. On a Sunday morning, you could sleep in. Read the paper. Check your investment accounts. Decide what new restaurant you might visit this day. But instead, you're here. You show up. You stay the course. God bless you. I thank God for each and every person in this congregation who insists on biblical teaching and faithful preaching from this, your pulpit. 
who expect your pastors to preach the full Word of God even when it challenges your assumptions and makes you feel uncomfortable. And make no mistake, sometimes the Word of the Lord makes me feel uncomfortable because God's Word is a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. Sometimes it's grace and mercy, and sometimes it's law, and it calls us out in our sin. So this morning, I'm going to share with you a quote from a young pastor I've never met. I hope I can meet him someday. Um, And when I say pastor, he's not serving a congregation, but he's shepherding um, a community where he is a blogger. If you older people don't know what that means, ask your kids and grandkids. His name is Chad Bird, B-I-R-D. He used to be a theologian at a Lutheran seminary, but God shook him up and said, you know, I think I can use you more in a different vocation to reach people for the cause of Christ. And so now he's living in Texas and he's driving a truck. Lutheran theologian, truck driver. It's not because he got fired, but God impressed on his heart, maybe driving that truck, you'll be able to witness to my love for all people through Jesus Christ in ways you never could have in the hallowed halls of a seminary. So that's what he's doing now. And these are his words, and I'm going to close with this extended quote. Chad Bird writes, People say only two things in life are certain, death and taxes, but there are other certainties, like the daily rising and setting of the sun, the fact that life itself has risings and settings as well. We all have times when the sun of hope rises. We're swimming in the light of God, our wedding day, the birth of children, grandchildren. We land that dream job. Things are going well. We make sweet memories that years later still make us smile. There are days of sunshine with blue skies smiling down, but life also has times when the sun of hope sets. Instead of swimming in light, we're drowning in darkness. The day we look down into the casket that cradles the love of our life. The day we drive away from the home the bank foreclosed on, when we hear the report that the tumor is malignant. During such times, nothing seems to go right. The domino effect of one loss tips over to the next. The grief gives way to other grief. We wonder if we're ever going to catch a break. And worst of all, we begin to wonder, where is God in all this? As if he's left us alone to suffer. We're like those men caught in a storm on the sea, tossed here and there by the waves, rowing like mad but getting nowhere. Some say we're of little faith. Rather, I think we have big faith, but sometimes it's in something else. Our faith is in our ability to control every situation and use everything to our advantage. Our faith might be in that castle-like world we've built around us, and when we lose that control, when our self-constructed world implodes, These false gods in whom we had such great faith leave us fat with fear and skinny with hope. But here comes Jesus. His feet are flattening the sea like it's a wet sidewalk. He doesn't stand on the shore shouting, row harder, put some muscle into it, get your act together, think positive, you can do it. No, Jesus is not a coach, a personal trainer, or a cheerleader on the sidelines. He is the Lord of life and even the storms of life. He comes to us in the midst of our fear and despair to say, take courage, I'm here. 
It is I who rescued the frightened Israelites when they were trapped between the chariots of Israel and the Red Sea. I peeled back those waters to let my people pass through. Then I transformed the sea into a watery grave for their adversaries. And so I will do it for you. I have already done it for you on the day I baptized you. I washed you into my body. I drowned your sins and doubts in my blood-red sea of forgiveness. Do not be afraid. I am with you always. Take courage, for more certain than death is our life with Christ. More certain than taxes is that Jesus has paid all our debts. More certain than anything else in all creation is that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.